I'll speak to another side of that as well that I, I've seen and interacted with, and I, I understand it from that perspective. But from the perspective of being there for a week or two and feeling good about doing work, I've always kind of struggled with that. What are, Thoughts? I think, honestly, the work trips are the best kind of trip um, as far as short term. It's, I think if you're not going to do something practical and help people, what are you doing? Because you don't have any, do you have, church is supposed to be a community, and how are you building community if you just breeze in and breeze out again? Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. So, you, you know what aggravates me, Lindsay? What aggravates you, Robert? I know, I'm starting in a weird spot already. You and I are recording right now in the evening. Yeah. But this episode, they always release in the morning... You know, people will listen to this on their drive-in kind of thing. So what do I say to you? Do I say good morning, good evening, good good day to you, sir? <laughs> I think you probably say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Within reason. <laughs> it's one of those little things that always trips me up when, when we start recording in the evening. I'm like, good uh, something, good something to you. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, kind of help preface some things that might happen this evening, morning, whatever, while we are recording. You are sitting in your little studio space, Mm -hmm. and there is a bug. Yes, tiny little pill, it looks like a pill, a per, a, a per... A turquoise pill bug or something. It's kind of pretty, but I still want to kill it. (laughs) So if you hear a thunk, that's just Lindsay (laughs) murdering things. Yeah. So, I almost want to go, let the bodies hit the floor. I don't know why I said almost. I just did it. Yeah. Uh, All right. But fun little story about a bug. Not fun. Yeah. Not exactly a little story. So last week we recorded with Ken and Nell. It was a great episode. We wrapped that up and shortly thereafter here we were running out the door to go to my sister's and celebrate my niece's birthday. And we spent the day with family and then came back. And on the drive back, my sweet, wonderful little girl at like the worst points of highway interchanges where you can't get off unless you're going to go on that toll road and you can't go off unless you're going to decides to let out a blood curdling my life is in danger scream flying down the highway at highway speeds Mm -hmm. because there was a bug in the back 
What kind of bug? I think it was like a baby dragonfly. <laughs> and I get it. Aww. She's scared of bugs. You know, I, I'm scared of flying. She's scared of bugs. Fear is a thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, trying to kill bugs while flying down the highway at high speeds. And I, I couldn't just pull over to get out and take care of it because I didn't trust how she was acting to not bolt. Yeah. So it was, no, got to find somewhere or, you know, if Melinda could kill it. It was, yeah, fun little moment. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my friend almost went off the road because a spider was in her car while she was driving. You ever see, like, those pictures out of Australia? You know, Australia wants to kill you. But where someone's like, oh, look, there's a spider in the glove box, and it's like this huge thing that's taking up the whole glove box. Yeah. Yeah. I have to admit, those ones would give me pause. But most spiders, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's a spider. I will get it and say hello. <laughs> My tolerance isn't very high when it comes to spiders. I, so I would be, yeah, I'd need to pull over so I can get the thing. Because I don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose it in the car, because then where the f- is it? <laughs> see that's what happens in the house where someone's like oh no a bug go tell daddy so they run away from the thing mm. and then by the time i'm up there i'm like okay so where is it it was right there okay that doesn't help it's gone <laughs> although yeah. the one we get in the house that even gives me pause they wig me out are thousand leggers the silver fish no, no, the no. The ones not... that have, like, the mohawk of, like, weird... <sighs> we don't get silverfish, but they're, like, the centipedes. Silverfish are small and manageable. These are, you know, centipedes. Or is uh, it... yeah. Either way, centipedes and millipedes. Both of them, I'm like, nope. Too many legs either way. <laughs> Eight legs. That's, like, my limit. Eight legs, I'm fine. Hundred? Thousand? Nope. Kill it with fire. Immediately. Kill it with fire! I, <laughs> yeah. I even made a little meme. It was like, oh, there's a centipede in the house. And it was a guy with a flamethrower. All good now. <laughs> so, where we used to live, there was hornet, a hornet nest. A big, big hornet's nest. Like Winnie the Pooh-sized hornet's nest in this tree. So, Colby has a phobia of hornets. And so we wanted to get rid of it because it had been stinging. You know, the kids have been getting stung. So we waited till nighttime when the hornets are supposedly sleeping and or calmer. He gets some kind of flammable thing. <laughs> an aerosol oh, no. can type no. thing of something. And stands and lights the thing on fire. And as soon as it hit the thing, you he was like running away before it had even like. We have a picture of him facing the nest and his feet are already turned away like running. <laughs> if I can find the picture, I'll post it. But oh my goodness. Okay. I've never seen him run so fast. If you're already scared of a thing, I and I guess I could even apply this to myself. But if you're already scared of a thing, setting it on fire so it chases you as a flying little demon-winged stinger, not a good idea. It, it didn't get stung, though. Hey, no, good, we, we, good for him. 
crisped it right up. I I worked with a guy who he climbed trees and he was cutting into a tree and cut into a German hornet's nest and those buggers are like an inch and a half, two inches long. And they stopped counting after like two hundred stings on his chest. They had to take him away by ambulance. So, oh it, man, that that was a, a thing for him in in his background. And so when we would work, if there was a take bee, no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, well, if there was a bee or a hornet or anything, I mean, he was he was gone. Huh. He, was, he would bolt. Uh, we were working at one place, and there was an in-ground bee's nest, and. Uh, I'm behind the brush and I'm I'm cutting and clipping and cleaning, and I go ow. He goes, "What was that?" I just got stung by a bee. I turn around. He's already halfway to the truck for the bee spray. Yeah. You know, it's just right there. It's okay. You know, <laughs> it's my reaction yeah. to bees. Ow! But I I get that. That that's why Adeline is actually scared of anything that has wings. She got stung by a bee. And her reaction is, nope, it, it has wings, it could kill me. Yeah. So, I don't know, I keep, I'm not convincing, I keep reminding her that fear is actually a superpower, it supercharges us and, you know, gives us the great fight or, f- fight or flight response. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> that was a random rabbit trail <laughs> i like our rabbit trails yeah they're fun they can be but oh, we robert oh no sorry can i do one more rabbit yes. trail please absolutely quickly? it's our podcast okay well i'm almost 50 percent of the way done seven eaves okay all right hang on hang on you posted on social media this week, so it was on my list of things, and it was exactly what I was going to bring up next. Okay? Yeah. Of how you doing, because you, you were griping about my choice of book. So, how are you doing? How's everybody else doing? Because, yeah, it is not a small book. It's not the size. <laughs> I'm not saying about the size, even. I mean, it's... Okay, it's the hold, on, hard hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, One more thing. Spoiler alerts, just in case. If you're mm. reading along, spoiler alerts, scrub ahead a bit, find where we pick up with with the discussion for today. Yeah, it is yep. it is a hard science book. Yeah. And and uh I sort of makes me um like my eyes glaze over sometimes when he's getting getting into the details of like delta chain changing velocity this and that which i've been i haven't skipped any of it but and i think i've even <laughs> understood most of it it's just like it's a slow read it's slow and yeah it is interesting right now though because they're i'm on the part where um so how long they're have trying you been, to get Ymir. How long Why have you been I reading or? it? Yeah, Ymir. Like two months or something. It's been a long time. Okay, so you've been. I don't at know. It, for... it might. Maybe it's not two months, but it's been a long time. It's been like a month, at least a month, if not um, two months, maybe. Okay, I, I'm gonna make you cry. It doesn't pick... get better. No, I picked it up this week. Don't even tell me you're done. 
I'm at the halfway point. I have a feeling you, I'm really close are you to listening? where you are. I am listening. That's, I kind of want to say that's... I don't know. Because if you're paying attention or not, it still gets red. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have oh, to no, pay attention, I'm paying attention. And you can still say it's red. I'm still paying attention. It's when I'm driving or if I'm... So, like, I, okay, I'm three months behind on my budget reconciliation at the office. So, it's okay. I can stick that in and listen and fill out all my receipt forms. Yeah. I I wish I could read it at night, but it's kind of too hard to read at night. Like, I'm tired. I can't read it at night. So, I read it in the morning. Hey, but it's not I a bad started, thing to um, fall asleep to. <laughs> yeah. Then I wake up 45 minutes later and... <laughs> But I do, I do have the audiobook too, so I'm trying to team up, like team up now and do both. So I'm reading it, and then when I wash dishes or something, I'm trying to listen to it too because I want to be done by, I want to get done the book so I can, because it's in, some of it is interesting. Like I'm excited and I can't wait to see. Like, are, is he jumping ahead now? Is he gonna jump? Kind of seems like we're gonna jump ahead and find out who made it. Like Dina's father. In the, in the mine, like, that's really cool. The submarine guy, he's, <laughs> Cal, he's really cool. So what's going to happen with that? And I'm hoping it'll kind of, like, keep not so much. I like science. It's just so, it's just the narrative mixed in with the science. Like, just stick to one. Like, do narrative or do science. Kind of, like, I get, like, okay, I, I want to hear about Dina again. Or I want to hear what happened to, I want to know how Sean Probst what happened to him? Like, I know what happened to him. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But I want to know what happened to him. Because I know what happened to him. But how did it happen to him? What? Wait, you know what happened? He, he died. Oh. Okay, I didn't spoil it. He dies in the... Sh- right, um, right, right. Sorry, I'm trying to think where the you are. They, they, are, they just got there. Okay, so I they think. just got there. To Amir, yeah. So they're so they don't really know how how Sean. Okay, died, okay. But, Sorry, when you said they were so trying to turn it around, I'm I'm a bit ahead of you then, because yeah, got it. So you haven't gotten into the whole apogee and delta v and. I, I did read something about delta g before. Oh, v. delta v. Okay, yeah, delta v. I he, he they did talk about something like that, and and I understood it kind of, you know, but I it, it's just like anecdotal science. See, but that's actually something that I really love about it because you're like, ooh, I don't feel like I'm being educated, but I am. Because yeah. I'll sit there with my phone. I'm like, okay, so wait, what is that? And, and that's what I did the first time I read this where I was like, ooh, what's this? And I went and I researched it and I read it and I you know, paused the book, read about what the thing was with orbi- orbital mechanics. And, you know. Yeah. I, I, yes. Some of it's interesting. It's just not a driven book. It's not a book that is like some books you can't help it. It's like it's got its own engine. This book does not have its own engine. You really have to just like you have a paddle and you're like paddling (laughs) in, you know, molasses or something. And it's like, okay, cool. I I enjoy learning, but it's just I'm I'm not used to reading books like this exactly. So so it's been a little slow. Well, I'm excited to read Caliban's War, actually, the next Leviathan Weeks oh book. I, I really want to read that. And I've, I've got to, so many books I want to read. J- trust me, as you keep going with the Leviathan series, you're going to be like, mm-hmm. forget it. This is the book series I'm reading until you're done. Because they just... I normally don't read a book series until like they are done. The last book has been written. 
because I don't like that whole intermediate period of waiting until it's done. And I tried to time it, but I was six months off with reading the Leviathan Wake series. So last spring, I finished whatever the last book is that I can't remember. And then I had to wait until November for the last book. Oof. So there is a last book. There is a last book. They finish okay, cool. it. Okay. Good. I have good timing. I'm yes. a, I'm, I'm worried that if I don't read it soon, I'm going to forget all the characters' names and I'll have to work hard to remember everything. Well, that's also the benefit of the internet. You get the cheat sheets of that or go back and watch the Prime series. That's true. Yeah. Okay, really weird thing. We just read... I am in two book clubs. I have a local book club thing that we meet at different people's houses, and it's really fun. But we just read a book. It was It's called Me- Mexican Gothic, and it reminded me a lot of Leviathan Wakes in the plague thing. Does that hmm. come back, by the way? The plague... Oh, the, uh, the proto-molecule? Yeah. Yeah, that never goes away. Okay, because that whole concept is t- absolutely terrifying, and I keep reading books that have things like it, like in this Mexican Gothic um, book, Mexican Gothic. Brief aside, and spoiler warning, Leviathan Wakes, where does it end? Where Where's the proto-molecule? Uh, Venus? Okay, so it hasn't done anything on venus yet it's just on venus i th- think it's it's not done anything bad yet if it's okay. going to it's still okay but everyone's nervous about it right okay so that's where it ends uh, sorry i haven't read those for a year i guess i'll have to pick that back up soon too yeah the proto molecule is only just beginning oh, it's terrifying it's really gross it gets worse it gets worse, it gets better, it gets worse, it gets better. And the proto-molecule isn't, like, the main point of the story, which is what I love about it. But you can't escape it. It it reminds me, um, so that book, and then Mexican Gothic, was similar, except it was about these mushrooms that, con- like, had mind control powers, and it, like, grew in people in this person's body and controlled them. It was really weird. Mm. So it reminded me of that. And Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Oh, I've heard of it's that. It's a trilogy. Yeah. Don't read it if you're having an existential crisis because it's called, it's called, it's got this only book I've ever read like this. It's called Cosmic Horror. Mm-hmm. Cosmic Horror. And it is really scary, really interesting, and very original. I'd never read anything like it before. But that proto-molecule and this Mexican Gothic book, they both kind of feel like that. Like nature sort of taking over or controlling things and mutating people and mutating things together. Really interesting. Like a weird evolution or something. You know that's actually a thing. Did you know that? that that's Wait, a thing. Which part of the... Pr- what do you mean? Which part of it is this a thing? fungus taking something over and assuming control? Yes. Yeah. Now it's yes. only an ants. Yes. But it's a thing. It was the inspiration. You probably knew this, but the inspiration for the thing, um, the Last of Us, that was inspired by those ants. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really weird. Really weird. Yeah. But yeah. Okay.
So, Annihilation, Jeff Vandermeer, Mexican Gothic by some really cool Mexican woman. Wrapping just around the 70s one more time. Since you're at the halfway point, you know what happens. It's it's right there in the front, the opening of the book. I couldn't look at the moon for like a month when I started reading that book. I think about it all the time. Every Where time it, I see the moon, I think of it, yeah. And I think even how they describe what happens, you get no answers. It's just meant to sit right there and disturb you. And I want to talk about that more with you because... Even again, reading it, knowing what happens, knowing the whole thing, I'm still like, mm, I don't know if I want to look at the moon right now. Yeah. You double-crossing little traitor. It, it did remind me. It has reminded me. And I'll, I'm tr- I'll try to control myself. We won't talk about it too much more. But <laughs> some of the characters definitely remind me of um, some of the characters in Don't Look Up. Need a report. Need a full status report on the explosive devices. Get on it. Still waiting for a full status report. All right, all right. President Xi of China says that the comet is still whole. We got four misfires and sync was off. It's still intact. What was that? We've got four misfires and the sync was off. Okay. We're all fine. Everyone's fine. It's going to be all right. If you'll excuse me, (laughs) nature calls. I'm just going to go to the restroom for a moment. Yes, I I think that I should also step out to the restroom for a moment. Shai? No, I'll be right back. Sir, the president, we need to know what the mission status is. She's coming right back. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The president in particular, she's she's hilarious. <laughs> All I can see is Meryl Streep. <laughs> the only thing that I can say is when the first time and even now the second time with that whole bit that plays out there, I'm like, no, you need to no, just the resolution is elimination. That's the resolution. It has to be. At least that's my position. It's not what happens, but Hmm. I'm screaming at them in that part of the book. No, look, you know how you have to do. You know what you have to do. And nobody does it. In the book? Yeah. Oh, like justice. Yeah. Like stowaways justice type thing, right? Was that what we're talking about? Yeah. Here's airlock. Goodbye. No, I agree. I agree. Like, Uh, no. Nope. It's stone cold and yucky, but it's still like, you did a really bad thing. Yeah, and trust me, you're only getting to the aggra- the beginning aggravation with that person, that character. Really? Yes. Cool. Yeah. It's a good book. It's a good book. Okay. Highly recommend it. We're going to have more conversation on this in about a month. Oh, yeah, so we're at the halfway point of summer. No, that's weird. How you doing? It's been busy. I've been really busy. I kind of wish I wasn't quite so busy, but... But good. Yeah? You ready to start in the library? Oh, you should... Oh, so I found a stuffed chair for me to read in. 
<laughs> like a nice stuffed chair. I spent $15 on it. I went to get it. Like it was like an hour and 15 minutes away. I loaded it into my van by myself and I brought it to the school and I love it. It is an awesome chair. And Good. I put string lights up and I got permission to paint the library from the disgusting green it is now. It's like a nursery green, like weird. Oh, yeah. To like a Gandalf's beard gray. Ooh, nice. So it, it, it's neat watching. And I've never seen it from this perspective, but like Melinda's getting ready for her classroom. She's got like a half classroom that's her office and her counseling space. Mm-hmm. And she put together an Amazon wish list and put it out to friends and family of, hey, here's the stuff I would love to have for this space. Because hmm. the classroom space was a storage closet. Now they're, okay, no, we need this. We're going to clear it out and it's going to be hers. So she's got she's got to fill it. And so from the other side of things, it's neat watching her start preparing and dreaming of what that space will look like and be and what she can put here and what she can put there and preparing yeah. for the school year. You know, it's it's mid-July. Yeah. A couple minutes ago, um, I, I texted her because there was a notification of, you know, your package was delivered and it's it's all stuff that she's been waiting for. She's been dancing around the house today. You know, it's coming, it's coming. And it's all <laughs> stuff for her classroom. So, That's cool. It, That's cool. It's, it's a nice neat. feeling yeah. to think about how am I setting the how am I going to set the tone for what I want the experience to be like in the library and it's been cool thinking about. Well, and you know, as we're winding down, well, yeah, winding down summer, there's also an element of looking to what's just ahead. It's just around the corner of school starting up and those last minute trips, those for from where I'm at, one of the things that's end of July, early August has been some mission trips. Last hurrah. What are you, yeah, what are you guys doing? We're doing a so the church is doing a local mission. We haven't done a you know, get in the van and travel mission for a while. We've been talking about doing that again. We're doing a local mission in August with a bunch of uh community and um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on all the words for them. But the the nonprofits that help out different community elements here where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So So what kinds of things are you going to do? Um one of them will be like preparing the best way to phrase it is storm recovery buckets. Oh yeah. Yeah, five-gallon buckets with some very basic essentials for a recovery in a storm zone post-hurricane. There's a local mission that helps do that and stores them in a warehouse, and then when something happens, ships it out. You know, Is it an overnight? Are you staying overnight there? No, it's, it's close enough that we can drive out to it and do it. That's so, cool. That's really neat. Yeah. I would love to do that if to just be able to... After a storm, help find some way to help, you know, somehow. Well, did you go down to the Katrina zone, or is that just me? No, you weren't No, there. I was I was in the secret program. Yeah, I no, was no, no, no. Well, that was in the summer. That was between first and second year. I think that was just me. 
Oh, you went down there? Yeah. What did you do? With who? By yourself? No, we... So it was actually the youth group that was associated with. They did a mission down to the Katrina Zone in the summer. Because it was between year one and year two. We did a mission down there. Swung chainsaws around for a week. Well, I... I was over 18, so I swung a chainsaw around for the week, and the kids helped pick up debris. Uh, cleared more debris, because, I mean, it was almost a year when we were down there, and there was still a lot of cleanup happening. So, yeah. It's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, all, all my missions trips took place. I think my first missions trip, I was 11. Through uh, Teen Mania Ministries. Mm-hmm down in Garden Valley, Texas, and um, I don't even know what denomination it was through, but they did these big youth conferences. Okay. So, like, that's how I, that's how I heard about Teen Mania Ministries, which um, it was called, the, the conference was called The Quiet of the Fire, and then the ministry organization that ran it was called Teen Mania. And so you go down to Garden Valley, and you meet tons of other people, and you meet your team, and you train for three or three days, and then we drove a bus across a desert into Juarez and uh, we were there for two weeks I think two weeks and did dramas and went to schools and um, stuff like that I think we might have played with kids or did a VBS or something like that but how did you feel doing that at 11 I felt amazing like this is my superpower like I'm like I felt really good doing that Despite some of the drama that happened, I wish I shared on the defector. But um, yeah, because that ha that happened that trip where they oh, man. said I was t touching people inappropriately. <laughs> yeah. But I liked how hot it was. I liked doing things <laughs> that were hard, like difficult work. I liked doing the dramas. I tried to make friends. I liked being by myself, you know, without my family. I thought that was, I, I felt really grown up. <laughs> hmm. um, despite uh, the drama, I still enjoyed myself. So I don't know if this is just kind of the spot of life I'm in. Well, I've, all right. <sighs> Let me not try and preface it in any way. Let me just say the horrible thing. And let's talk about that. There's a part of me that has always felt a little dubious about mission trips where you go, you breathe, in, breathe into a place for a week or two, do some physical labor, which is beneficial, I won't knock that, and then breathe right back out. Right. Like, there's I a part of me that, that legitimately struggles with elements of that, and I'll speak to another side of that as well that I, I've seen and interacted with and I, I understand it from that perspective but from the perspective of being there for a week or two and feeling good about doing work I've always kind of struggled with that what are, thoughts? I think honestly the work trips are the best kind of trip um, as far as short term it's, I think if you're not going to do something practical and help people, what are you doing? Because you don't have any, do you have, church is supposed to be a c 
community and how are you building community if you just breeze in and breeze out again you know and I don't know you just seem like it's just different Christianity is different when you fly in and fly out again because I don't know how to explain it people look at you differently they look at you differently than they look at their own people um, their own community yeah there's an element I don't know I'm just gonna be grass forgive me for not being graceful in this but there's an element of this that I've always kind of felt like is oh look here come those white people again that we have to entertain for a week so they can feel good about themselves Mm. and I'm not saying that's every mission trip I do think the work trips are of value but there's an element of it that it's like uh, cringy yeah like yeah we could really we really should do more I don't know what yeah. do more looks like, but what's, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I think it's good, though, for for kids to see real pro- poverty and to make friends with people that are, ha- that have nothing, that are homeless or that live in, like, the w- most unbelievable poverty you can imagine and be humans with them. I think that's a good experience. Yeah, now for kids to do, especially young young kids. Yeah, and and part of what I've looked at and where this originates from is actually the relationship that the church I grew up in had with mission. We didn't just say, "Okay, we're going to go to mission here this year and rotate it every couple of years." The church actually built an intentional relationship with an orphanage in Rwanda we had congregation members who would write to kids and support kids in this orphanage Um, we would occasionally send missions and supplies down to Rwanda to help them to be with them Uh, you know we would go they would actually send people to us we had uh, Bishop John Ricciana who I got to know because of stuff like that and he he helped with reconciliation post-genocide in Rwanda between the Hutu and the Tutsi. And so for me, mission trip, and when I think about it, and this is where I struggle with, is I think about that long-term relationship that my church built in Rwanda. And we were one of many churches that, that connected and worked and supported but we had an intentional single relationship supporting missionaries and an orphanage there. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. Don't you think? It's the model I would prefer. And I mean, even where I'm at, we have tried to build intentional relationships with missionaries overseas. We've been intentional about inviting them in and letting them speak. We, I don't, I don't know if the church has ever done an overseas mission trip. I would assume they have at one point or another. Uh, but even then, what missions we have done, we've tried to either do local or a, an out-of-state to support another sister church of ours kind of thing, or sister community. Mm. So, I don't know. It, it, it's looking at that mindset from what I remember of mission trips in my young adult years and then looking at the mindset... I grew up with and, you know, mission and travel. And is it travel to feel good or is it travel to do good? Yeah. 
I think, I don't know if you can really separate those things. Because I, I think you know that it will feel good. And, yeah. Yes, okay. So doing good always feels good. Fine. <laughs> Although I think I always felt some, even though all the mission trips I've ever been on, I also felt a weird sense of dread. <laughs> like Before, I during, can't... or after? Yes. <laughs> Before okay. and during. Like, because it was hard. It was weird. It was like I felt a lot of con- conflicting things. Okay. And I was always glad to go home. Everybody always was like, oh, I wish I could stay longer. I wish I could stay longer. I never, ever said that. <laughs> you were like, I'm out. I was, <laughs> See ya. I was always ready to go home. Yeah. But mm. I'm a homebody. I guess that's that's that makes, that's consistent <laughs> with everything else about me. I no, love that's coming fair. home. For sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's but that's also part of the joy of any trip where you're like, okay, yay, we've done said trip. And now it's just time to go back to my house, my routines. Like it's that, I, I just need that absence to make the, the heart grow fonder of what my normal life is. Yeah. Yeah. For those of us who are not wanderers. How about that? Mm. I think I thought I was a wanderer. I think that's what I thought about myself, but I know I'm not. <laughs> I'd like to think I was adventurous, but I, I think I'm... I, if I'm adventurous, it's for very short terms. <laughs> I... With the right group of people. I like traveling with people who know where they're going, know what to do, and lead me around so it's not <laughs> hard. Because it's stressful to me. Like, I went to a wedding last night. A re- reception thing. And I, it was this big... There was these several buildings there. There were some people hanging out in the back sitting around a pig that was roasting and they were sitting in like camp chairs. So I was stressed because should I have brought my camp chairs? Because we just bought cool camp chairs and darn it, we should have brought them. And then there was people going around the front and doing all kinds of different things. And I felt stressed because I didn't know where I should be. And I was frustrated that no one told me that this was not information that was in like the material we got in the mail. So you can picture traveling is stressful for me i like it when you know where you're going and you can lead me by the hand all right pro tip (laughs) ready Mm. pro tip in the summer spring and summer our family camp chairs just live in the back of the trunk of the car yeah that's a good why don't we do that that's good i don't know but it's we're we're going enough places where it's okay. We went out to my niece's. Well, we need the camp chairs. They're already in the car. Let's just go. I I did a, another camp out with my older teenagers this week, and it's I need the camp chairs. I got to get them out of my wife's car and move them over to mine. It's five feet. I can deal with five feet. I'm not digging them out of the basement. Yeah. Wednesday night we go to a, an outdoor worship service at the church. Camp chairs are in the back of the car. And it's just anywhere we go. It's, yep, yep, we brought our own seating. Just in case. We're here. Half chair, we'll travel. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Because you never know where you're going to be like and say, mm, I want a chair. Although I have the fancy one because mine I lean back on and the front foot spot pops up so I can put my feet up in my camp chair and just be like, yeah. I think I have the same one. <laughs> it's like it looks like it's got like hydraulics in the back 
Nah, no hydraulics. It's all the metal barring. But I know which one you're talking about. So yeah, it's comfortable. It leans back. Something that just happened here in central PA that kind of leads into that camp chair bit. It's interesting. Because it's also that, that Christian travel element. There's a big music festival called Creation. You've probably heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my husband went to Creation. Did he? The one the, down here or the one up? Oh, no. I don't know. Okay. Maybe he didn't. Maybe I just heard you talk about it before. That's I, I think I've talked about it. And that was a thing that our church used to do, where we would go to Creation. Last time we went was 19, and then 2020 set in. And we keep having conversations of, well, do we want to do it again? It's If we want to do it, if we have enough people, we can do it. But we have to have enough people. Um, yeah, it, I got that chair for creation because I've got bad knees. I need to put my legs up. <laughs> but no, I, that's also interesting because, you know, there's the element of we go out to creation and it's loud music, it's worship elements. And does it ever get past surface deep? Does it ever settle into people's heart why we're there? Even with doing devotional stuff, and this is a question I always ask in anything I'm doing, but, you know, is this settling past the feel-good measure? Is this getting to the, you know, we're, we're here to do good because God is good. And sorry, I'm going to go a little religious-y and preachy, I guess. In the Bible, God always just does things, whether people are prepared or not. And... I think we have this weird idea that we have to, like, what is, sorry, the expression prime, prime the pump for God mm -hmm. to, like, be able to do something. Like, and um, <laughs> I think there's an element of we're making our, like, we're going out of our routine and, which is uncomfortable, maybe. It's just, like, the right element of not comfortable, or normal, and so I think we have an expectation because we don't expect God in the normal, which may be sad. We don't expect God to break through or to say anything, or I don't know. We don't expect profound things to happen in the minutia of opening a can of Hunt's tomato sauce or like trying to find socks in a laundry basket or, you know, all that's. But when you leave and go out, I think you become more reflective. And Alright, so you said this. And it just reminded me of it. Because it is a favorite. I have a lot of favorite Disney movies. I love Disney. Uh, I'm going to move on. The Lion King? Are you going to reference The Lion King now? No, I'm not. Although oh. they, the live action version they did murdered the cartoon version. Yep. You need to have Jeremy Irons singing Be Prepared. Ah, uh, yeah, they don't? Yeah, it's not... Like, the cartoon version is just phenomenal. The live action, they're like, oh yeah, I guess we kind of need to do this. Boop! That's how they do every, That's how they did the whole movie. I guess we kind of need to do this. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. What, what movie right. did I remind you of? The Incredibles. Okay? Because you were saying about... Looking for God in the, the the different, the exciting, but 
not expecting him in the mundane in the day to day. And have you seen mm-hmm. The Incredibles? Yeah. All right, I I love that movie. I really do. Like that's if there's a Pixar movie, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. But the scene where Mr. Incredible pulls into the driveway and there's the kid on the tricycle and he's like, "What are you waiting for?" looking at and kid's like, "I don't know, something amazing." Yeah. He's seen amazing there. And he keeps expecting amazing in that same spot. And I do feel like that's sometimes how we we think and we feel as Christians. And that's kind of why we might do things. And I don't know. I'm, I'm sounding like I'm negative, I suppose. That's not my default position with missions. It's just I want to question things. Are, are we letting things get more than surface deep of doing good? Are we actually doing this because we want to see God move where we're going, but also move when we come back from in our daily life? Yeah. Because there is a comfort to routine and returning from and finding that routine again, but did, did anything change? Did your life change in a way that you're like, I got this now. And that's what I want. Mm. That's what I want for people. That's what I want for moments. Is that life transforming? I got this now. What What do you mean? I got this now. Can you expound? <laughs> what kind <sighs> of things do you want to change? In my personal life or in the life of people around me? I guess in general. Yeah, like you don't have to be specific, I suppose, to your own life, but... I, I mean, the the default setting is always an increase in faith you know i i must decrease christ must increase so i mean that that's what i would love to see more because i think the more that we turn and reflect christ uh, really the better this world will be Mm. Uh, and i i mean that's looking and saying i have a hope in christ because I, i do believe he made us good i do believe the human condition brings us to a failure state but I have hope that the more we turn to Christ, the more we lean into Christ, the more good we bring into the world, because it's reflective of him. I don't know. Did you expect that this would be where our discussion of mission and travel and no, Christian I... travel would go? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> interesting <laughs> mission work is good but I don't want it to just be a yay I feel good because I, I did good I really want it to be a I've done good because it's in my nature and I don't just feel good I've helped bring good mm. yeah so like it increased your faith in some way or it made you yeah, now, a better person somehow. Now, the flip side in all of that is, and, and I said I would speak to this, I suppose, and I should, in instances where you have missions, the, I, I do understand this. I've been able to talk with and, and understand it from some of the missionaries in the field perspective, where it's, yeah, you know what, you guys showing up, you feel like you're coming in like rock stars, and to a degree, that's kind of what's happening in the community, but it's opening doors for me here. Because we were able to 
kind of promote you as a carnival to this village way out in the middle of nowhere that we haven't gotten a foothold or a connection in. But we want to we want to help. We want to grow. We want to, you know, then follow up after the carnival leaves to bring in food and educational resources, uh, native tongue gospels, things like that. So it's okay. I, I get that side of it as well. I've never been on that end. I have missionary friends who have explained it and helped me understand that because my perspective has been, it kind of feels like you're the cruise director bringing in the crazy people. You are sitting there in what is my favorite thinking position, stroking your non-existent beard. Where's Colby? You need to borrow <laughs> his beard. Yeah. So what, um, what are you thinking? Well, so this is sort of brought to mind a question that I have that maybe we won't have time to answer today. Maybe it can be something we can set aside for another day and you can think about it. But so I know this is out of left field, but I haven't read the Bible many times and I've read bits of the Bible a million times. Uh, so reading the gospels, you get a picture of something. And then you read the rest of the gospel, the rest of the epistles, and I don't get how Paul extrapolated so much from those four gospels, from like <laughs> the story of Jesus' life. Where the heck did all that? There's so much in the epistles. Like, where did all that come from? It just seems so disconnected from, like, okay, yes, we see the life of Jesus. And he used to be, he's kind of, he was a Jew, but now, if you believe in Jesus, you're not a Jew anymore. Now we're going to have all this information. And I just, um, like, whoa, it just, where did it all come from? All those ideas. So, I'm going to put a plug in. First and foremost, I suppose. This is not sponsored. They have not paid us. This is something that I pay for every year, so... I'd love to get money to say that they're really good, but they're really good and I get no money. I give them money. The Dwell Bible app. Have you ever heard of it? The who? Dwell. D-W-E-L-L. -L. Okay. Okay. And it is an audio Bible and Bible study application. It is phenomenal. So if you're someone who's on the go, this is a great way to get your hands, let me rephrase that, it's a great way to get your ears and your mind into scripture. And there is something to be said for the fact that when scripture was read, it was read as a community because only a few people could read, and they would read and share to everyone. So there is something to hearing the gospel, hearing the whole of scripture read to you and interacting with it that way. Uh, but from that aside, I highly recommend it, especially if you want to go deeper, go and read more or be engaged. It, it's an amazing tool and resource. They have Bible studies that are, here's the scripture, here's the reflections and thoughts and the, the weaving. So, all right, outside of my... My aside there. Paul got... 
just a massive, I don't know what else to call it, other than download, effectively, from being with the disciples. Because he didn't just convert and go. He spent time. He lived with the disciples. He learned everything that they had. At the same time, the Spirit was moving in ways that no one anticipated, no one expected. And Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus is one of those early movements of the Spirit that goes, Whoa, there's something happening. On top of that, Paul, he calls himself a Jew of Jews. Because he was well on his way to becoming a Pharisee. I mean, his accreditation sheet was already pretty long of this guy's solid. He knows the books. He knows the law. He knows the traditions. He knows Judaism inside and out. And Damascus derailed all of that. So for him to pick up and understand what Christ taught, it's not... It's sympathetic. It's running the same vein as the Old Testament because its Old Testament is not complete. Old Testament leaves you going, what? There's more. There's Something's missing. Jesus is that missing. Paul was able to run with that from what he learned, he experienced, the time he walked with the disciples. So, you, so everything that's in the New Testament, that the, in the epistles... Paul heard snippets of all that stuff bumping elbows. With it, it wasn't just snippets. He, he would... It's a little speculative, I suppose. But one of the traditions is... And, and it's the beauty and a piece of what I wanted with this podcast initially. And we're still in that spot where it's... People would sit down and they would argue. That would be the discourse of the day. That would be the entertainment of the day. Hey, I am going to go and I'm going to argue with Joe today on position X, Y, or Z. And so they would sit and they would argue and they would talk and they would discuss. And out of that, they would grow. So the tradition was one that was interactive and educational. And you would grow, you would adapt, you would go, "Mm, okay, you know, here's my position or here's my camp. And Paul even speaks against this later on because there starts to be that division within the early church. You know, we follow Peter, we follow, I can't remember, we follow Paul. Apollo. Apollo, thank you. Yeah. So Paul was well versed in that, and that's a part of what happened. He, He didn't just get the snippets. He sat down, and I imagine would have been like, all right, there was this thing, it happened on the road, it was wild, here's who I am, let's let's fight it out, tell me what's going on, and, and discuss it, let me ask all the questions. And there's a beautifully rich tradition of that, in that culture, in that age, where it was, okay, that was your day, you would sit and just talk. And then you'd process, and then you'd think, and do it all again the next day, and think, process. And so, Paul didn't just pull it out of thin air. Paul wrestled with it. He asked questions. He probably drove Peter nuts. He drove John nuts. He drove them all nuts and said, no, you you need to go on mission trip before we suffocate you with a pillow. 
<laughs> yeah. Bible according to Rob. That's <laughs> how I imagine it. But he got the information. He interacted. He wouldn't have just been this wild card that showed up. Hey, I met this crazy ghost dude on the road. I'm going to go speak to the, the world about it. There's an element of that. that he interacted with the disciples. Because we, we get those interactions. We see how that plays out in Acts. So. And Paul was a known character to the disciples beforehand. Yeah, they were terrified of him. <laughs> and now he's coming at you saying, um, I, I, I met Jesus. And, and he had questions. I mean, we see that with when Barnabas goes. Was it Barnabas? No, it wasn't Barnabas. Who was it that went to pray for him? Uh, um, um, because of an A. Ananias? No, it wasn't Ananias. Yeah, yes, it was Ananias. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. There's a lot of Ananiases in the Bible. Or at least two or three. Uh, hang on, hang on. I haven't. I'm looking it up. Oh, shoot. Ananias. <laughs> Fine. Ananias. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Should have probably looked at where that was in Acts 2. That was like Acts 9, I think. Acts 9. All right. And I have to say, we're not exactly into our normal routine of recording just yet. Yeah. But I've missed these conversations with you. I've missed being able to meander around the topic or a conversation or a point. So. Yeah. I miss this. <laughs> I do, too. I like it. And we've been back at it for three weeks, and I'm saying I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My brain's starting to say... You're starting um, to get that I need sleep glossed over mother it's, look. It's time to chill out. Yeah. So, all right. Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Not entirely where we intended to go, but not a bad discussion. Not at all. Not at all yep. a bad discussion. So. You have a good evening and stuff. You too. And uh, we are, real quick, brief aside, just going back to Seven Eves. We're about a month out from that episode. So snap to it and good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and yep. my apologies. I picked a book I thought would be great. It It's not not great. It's just... A not little... not good. <laughs> it's not as good as Leviathan's Wake. <laughs> <sighs> All right, I should have picked Leviathan's Wake. <laughs> now I have to pick a really good book to punish you. <laughs> good book, or like a book a book I will like, and I don't care if you like or not. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, I picked a book I thought you would like. I know you did say that. And I appreciate the sentiment, but now I have to punish you. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, I'm leaving before anything else. Thank All you, right. Lindsay. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 42 Podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe 
And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation. Thank you.